Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabry. So we're today talking with John Weibar, uh, co-founder of uh, Revolution Recovery. Welcome, John. Thank you. John, you do some really unique things. Tell us a little bit about what Revolution Recovery is. Thank you. We are a um, construction demolition material recycling company. So we take waste from construction sites, uh, manufacturing, uh, not not the waste that you're throwing out at home, but that other waste which a homeowner might not know about, but is very prevalent. And we take that, break it down, separate it, and we have make over 40 products that we ship locally and all over the world with that material that would otherwise be going to the landfill. Very interesting. And I, I want to delve more into that, obviously, but um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about John Weibar. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Are you native to Greater Philadelphia? And uh, uh, how did you you know, decide to start your career in this community? Sure. Uh, my family moved to Mount Airy section of Philadelphia when I was in fourth grade. We came from England and, uh, yeah, fell in love with uh, Philadelphia and the park and have loved what's happened since that was like 1990 and have loved what's happened to this city and the renaissance it's undergone. Um, so, yeah, but known it as home, went away for college, but otherwise have been here, lived in many different parts of the city and, uh, yeah, very much, a, very much a native and, and excited for the future here. That's very cool. So when you arrived in 1990, uh, did you have a British accent? I did. And uh, no more. No more. No. Nope. Uh, do you remember that moment when you no longer had that British accent? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I lost it quickly. Well, the, the tricky thing was we were, I was born in Seattle, and we moved to England, and everyone's like, you talk funny. And so just when I got the British accent, I moved to Philadelphia, and everyone's like, you talk funny. And I was like, again. So. <laughs> Story of your life, right? Yeah. Uh, and what brought you to greater Philadelphia, to the Mount Airy neighborhood of the city uh, back in 1990? My dad's company brought him over. He did reinsurance. Nice. And uh, yeah, he he was like, this city's cool and nice, you know, restaurants and stuff. But now when he comes back to visit, he's like, oh my God, like this is incredible. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't on that level, especially not the downtown scene back to- in those days. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I can totally appreciate that because I'm native to greater Philadelphia and I've seen a lot of the transition over time. Um, that moment. When you joined your family on a new journey in life in Philadelphia back in 1990 was really transformative for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, yeah, we, uh, you know, up and rooted from the countryside in England, all our friends and family, all that comfort and uh, made this big move. I have three siblings and a dog and, you know, here we come into the complete unknown. I'd seen this, uh, I'd seen Rocky too on the couch in England and that was all I knew about Philadelphia. And I, from Rocky too, he's running to his streets. I was like, whoa, we're moving there. But um, yeah, that was really all I knew about Philadelphia. And then we came over and, yeah, got ourselves oriented. Mount Airy is a fantastic neighborhood. Went smooth as well. The, the people were very nice, and uh, we, we took to it quickly. 
That's great, and I can imagine, because I think Rocky II was probably filmed in the late 70s, maybe the early 80s. I think Rocky came out in 76, so Rocky II may have been started in the late 70s. And the the picture that is painted of Philadelphia proper um, is not the Philadelphia, frankly, that we know today. Uh, there are elements of it, but certainly it's uh, it's transformed and evolved since then. Absolutely. And you've actually been a part of that, whether you recognize it in that way or not. Uh, and I really want to learn a little bit more about revolution recovery. Um, you started this uh, in 2008 with seven employees uh, in the Holmesburg section of Northeast Philadelphia, if I have all that correct. We actually started in 2004 under a different name. And in 2008, we moved it to the – it was just a concept. In 2004, we started with – it was me and my business partner. We, we had – about ten thousand dollars no know-how no contacts um but you had a vision we had a vision and we well yeah we we wanted to recycle drywall we were seeing this all this drywall go to the landfill from the cutoffs from new construction and had read that in wisconsin they were recycling it and uh we were naive enough to give it a shot and we had nothing to lose we were young and uh you know not not a lot of responsibility or dependence and uh so we were naive enough and had nothing to lose and so we went for it and i think that first year in 2004 we billed our gross sales were sixty thousand dollars and our expenses were sixty two thousand ah and that's with no salary and you had to pay your own cell phone and your own gas that's a true startup yeah with some growing pains exactly Let's step back a little bit before that. Maybe it was 2003 or early 2004. What was that moment that you, you looked at this drywall and said, hmm, I think we can do something different with that than how it's currently being handled? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's very tangible. It was a truckload. So my, my former business partner was, uh, was trucking it from home building sites to the landfill each day. And he'd go and collect it from the home building site up in Bucks County. And just have this truck full of sheetrock. And if you've been on a construction site and you see the cuts, it looks like a brand new board. You know, they just cut that. And so every day, I was dropping this. And I would see him after work and he'd be like, man, this drywall, you know, there's, there's got to be something better we can do with it. I'm just taking it to the landfill. And I, I, you know, I knew and I was working in environmental. And I was like, yeah, I've seen that. And um, that, was, that was the impetus. But once we got going, we, we realized we had to go to the builders to get the, the drywall waste. And then they were, at the time, the green building movement was just getting going. And the green building movement was uh, specifying the contractors recycle their waste. So the builders we were calling for the drywall would say, well, that, that would be great, but can you help me with all this? Because I've got this new requirement that I recycle all this. And we quickly caught on, hey, we got to go past you know, drywall and offer this whole, the whole gamut to the, to the contractors out there. Yeah. Cause if I'm not being too crude in this assessment, based on what you just shared with me, uh, your, your friend and colleague was essentially a, 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 a trash hauler, uh, at the time. And, and you were being inspired to do something different. When I say trash hauler, I really mean, you know, building supplies and, and materials, but it was just picking it up and taking it to the dump, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you wanted to do it differently. And, uh, I want to come back to that, but I do want to, again, uh, learn a little bit more about John Wybar uh, of Revolution Recovery. Um, take me back to high school. Uh, first of all, where did you go to high school, and what was your vision when you were a junior or senior in high school? Sure. I, was, uh, I went to Penn Charter, and I was, uh, 
a big runner. I was running track and field and cross country and uh, looking to do that in college. And um, yeah, did not have a specific, I've always loved the outdoors um, and, you know, the natural sciences. And uh, I knew that, yeah, I wanted to try to make something make a mark somewhere that's so where'd you end up going to college and what was your uh, area of focus i started at the university of oregon and then uh, graduated from the university of texas i was majored in geology but i was very much into running i ran running was my focus at both of those schools and and hmm. uh took out yeah that was my when i woke up each morning that's what really got me going yeah but, running was your passion then you had to go to class exactly <laughs> and then you went running again exactly right you still running today no i ran my knees out in those days yeah but uh i uh and i used to in those days look at the people on the elliptical and be like and now i'm on the elliptical just crying tears yeah know? yeah but um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. And I loved, I loved running in Fairmount Park on Forbidden Drive. And that was, that's a world-class, you know, I did a lot of, ran a lot of places in that career and man, that's, there's a world-class park we have. It is. It really is. It's one of those special gems that many of us take for granted or don't even know, uh, exist, frankly. Have you replaced your running passion with, um, anything else? I mean, I know you mentioned the elliptical, but are you, are you biking? Are you walking or hiking or trying something else that keeps you outdoors? Oh yeah. Yeah. Once you get a taste for endorphins, you can't stop. But, uh, yeah, uh, hiking, uh, I go ice skating. I love river rink in the winter. Um, skiing yep uh, spin class yoga love it all and i was just on the appalachian trail on sunday and yeah. that's great uh, i want to jump ahead again to um the name of your organization revolution recovery it's a kind of unique name is there a story behind that yeah it was actually a lot of back and forth uh between the powers that would be including myself and on trying to pick a name yeah, it was. Yeah, we served both. We're recovering the materials, and it was a revolution to the to the waste industry, which was strictly landfillers. Everything to the dump, everything to the landfill. So that was kind of kind of what what we were going for with that. Revolutionizing how the recovery of materials actually takes place. Yes. Yeah, I was I was wondering if it was tied at all to the history of Philadelphia and the Revolutionary War. That was a component of it too. We yeah. are here and yeah, here in Philadelphia. Kind so. of that understated, you know, unspoken type of feeling and theme. So tell us about the quantity of material that you guys handle uh, every day. Yeah, so we handle 500 tons a day at each one of our plants inbound. And honestly, to sit here, when you talk to, to lay people about that kind of material, even saying it to myself, you can't really fathom just how much that is but that's 150 you know big truckloads uh it's just it's staggering it's staggering 150 big truckloads of construction material coming into two different facilities that are then processed if you will yeah and tell us about that processing so we begin with a uh, a pre-sort where we just scan the material look for uh anything that's unsafe or things that mechanically won't go through our process or chemically have something that we don't want in our outlets and we try and pull those out manually or with the machine on the floor, then it enters into our automated processing equipment where we have shaker screens and conveyor belts, incline conveyors and shredders, grinders, magnets, 
um, more screens. We have air density separators that classify on density, and it's quite involved. It's 600 feet long and lots of moving parts. If you're, yeah, for for kids or whatever, if you're into that kind of machinery, it's 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 pretty cool because there's you know stuff flying out and you know all the bells and whistles and ringing in it. It looked like Laverne and Shirley is the analogy we get a lot for the manual part, but there's many stages as we are taking the material through the process. We recover what we want to pull out and then go to the more automated parts where the machines size down, extract, screen, separate all the different commodities we're looking for. Gotcha. So Revolution Recovery really specializes in a unique kind of construction waste management. And I suspect that takes a a special type of person to work with your team. Share with us a little bit of uh, insight into your team. Yes, I am very lucky to have a fantastic team, and we have many components to that. We have the drivers, who are really the face of the company, and going out collecting the material and bringing it back, and they have challenges every day on on the streets. Uh, We have the office administrative end, um, who's taking all the orders from the customers and converting that through the through the truckers? We have people reporting to the customers on what we're recycling, and then we have the operations teams, uh, the men and women who run the machinery and work on the sort line, and yeah, help recover all the material and prepare it to go back out for markets. And how large is your operation? We are 102 people. Wow, that's so. impressive. Spread across two facilities, both in Philadelphia? We have one facility in Northeast Philadelphia. We have another one in Newcastle, Delaware. Mm-hmm. And we have a third in Allentown, which just opened. Excellent. You yeah. guys are really growing. That's great. We're trying. Thank you yeah. very much. It, it's more of a good luck in Allentown. We're just, just getting off the ground. but Well, you were just getting off the ground back in 2004, 2008 timeframe when when you were getting going as well. So I'm sure more success is on its way. Thank you. A lot of folks think of waste management, specifically construction waste management, uh, and some of the challenges that come with that, especially in uh, remediation sites, um, sometimes referred to as super fund sites that uh, your team may have to interface with on a regular basis. And when they think about that, they, they turn the other way and they start running. You look at that, and your team looks at that, and you see opportunity. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the opportunity that Revolution Recovery sees where others may not. Sure. So our most relevant interface with the Superfund site is our, the one that surrounded our, our northeast Philadelphia facility. It's called the Metal Bank Superfund site. It's about 12 acres located right on the Delaware River and is adjacent to our property on two sides. And it had been sitting there when I fir- when we first opened in 2008. It was wooded and fenced up, and it was like, you know, the other side of the world. Um, and then in, in 2000 and, uh, like 2010, circa, the EPA came and uh, cut down all the woods and, and took out the worst of the contamination and then backfilled it um, with, with cover and, and then left it. You know, it sat there, and, and the grass grew in. And it was remediated for all intents and purposes, but still had contamination below it. And it goes right out to the river. And we're sitting there cramped for space, just waiting for an opportunity to expand on it. And very fortunately, it came through for us. It was it was a long wait, and it's a, there's a lot of red tape. There was a lot of uh, a lot of parties involved with it being on the river, and uh, being the EPA, the DEP, the old uh, owners group. 
but the city was very supportive. The EPA was very supportive. The DEP was supportive and really got us uh, to the table and made, made the deal happen. And now we were very excited to expand onto that property and bring, uh, you know, bring more jobs and more processing capability and, and get that site going again, you know, make, see something happening out there. So yeah, it is, it is tricky with the Brownfield, I think, or a super fun site. I think you've seen as time goes by, the EPA has really, has really worked to take that liability off. And so a smaller company like ourselves, we're risk tolerant, you know, we'll take a run at it. The big, the big, huge corporations and others might shy away from it, um, but not. We jumped at it, and also, we're not the best neighbor to a residence or something like that because we make noise, because we're running off hours, because there might be dust and lots of trucks. So to buy it and uh, and be masters of our own, who's going to be our neighbor, was a, was another added benefit. I would think that the type of work that Revolution Recovery actually does is appealing to an organization like EPA because you're going into something eyes wide open by acquiring a site adjacent to your existing facility that has gone through remediation. You, you, you live this every day, so it's not something that's kind of unknown. That had to be kind of a nice factor. Absolutely. We need to put down huge concrete slabs really strong to support the weight of our heavy machines and our loaders and um and that's exactly what they want on a on a property like that to reinforce the cap and and keep that entombed what lies down in the ground i'm going to shift gears a little bit and ask you this question <clears throat> you're sitting around the thanksgiving table or uh, a gathering with family and friends how do you describe what revolution recovery does well we are I think we're blessed in that regard that it's like it's super tangible. So I can show you every day we have 500 tons of material come in, 500 tons go out. I think it's much harder for the people who work at financial or like complex insurance. Like, can you describe it to a four-year-old? Sort of like, yeah, you know, at a construction site, they're cutting, they're producing this waste cardboard from deliveries and cutoffs of drywall and cutoffs of wood and pallets and shrink wrap and... And then what do you do with that? Because I don't think the average consumer or observer says, I get it. They just know you do something with it. Where does it end up? So we take that and we separate it. We pull the, we put the pallet and the wood stud over here. We put the metal stud and the air duct over there. And we put uh, the carpet over here and the cardboard and the paper. And, and we separate all those different materials that can be recycled. But the way they come off the construction site all mixed together, you know, that had to go to the landfill. So we separated in there. We have over 40 products. We send drywall to Lancaster where they process it and make soil amendment, fertilizer, conditioner with it. We send plastic to Alabama where they grind it up and uh, make plastic pellets that can go into new plastic products. We send scrap metal to local shredders. We export plastics and cardboard all over the world, where, you know, wherever the market takes it that are made into new paper and cardboard products. We crush down concrete, and that can go as a, as a sub-base for roads or a parking lot. So many carpet goes to Georgia, hmm. where they can uh, make new plastic pellets to right. um, recycled into new carpet or other, or other products, even like uh, fleece vests or mm -hmm. another materials and excited to see, you know, recycling markets. 
bloom and to make increasingly higher end finished products from recycled materials. And you guys really had to have been at the forefront of this. I mean, was anybody doing it when you started in this industry? Yes. uh, Europe was a little bit ahead of us. They have uh, less landfill capacity being smaller countries and low sea level countries. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they can't landfill is much more expensive and um, the need for raw materials. So, yes, people were doing it selectively in this area or in uh, Massachusetts, but it wasn't really widespread. Um, And then it got it got trendy, you know, around, we started in 2004, 2008, 2009, it was really the trend, really hot. Um, the price of oil was high, green was in, sustainability. Since then, it's kind of fallen off some. As the price of oil dropped, as the Marcellus shale and natural gas prices came, that hasn't been good for the sustainability recycling movement. But the regulatory environment, has that gotten better or worse? Is it uh, you know, more considered a requirement now, or it's just a nice thing to do? The regulatory environment is definitely better, and uh, the, yeah, the public's with it. You know, people, want, people want sustainability. People want a clean environment. They want recycling. Everyone's aware we have to be more preserve our resources. We can't. Landfill is not the future. Uh, so people are aware of this, just the market, the global market, especially with the low price of oil and the the natural gas boom was just a setback. The chart is going up, but this is just a, a peak in a valley um, that so, yeah, we, we're staying the path. But, um, yeah, markets have dipped in the last couple of years. And I can imagine, though, that, you know, to your point. Um, you're dealing with industrial waste and asbestos and solvents and heavy metals and, and um, uh, other kinds of construction materials. People are much more thoughtful today about what happens to that kind of product after its traditional use is complete. And that's where your team comes in. Yes, yes. Um, when you hear stories from what went on, you know, on the Delaware River or other, how how industry used to operate, you're just like, oh my gosh. So yes, increasingly people are, are much more conscious of that. And really having some uh, millennial employees or recent college graduate, even to the next level. I mean, they are very, very passionate, like a prerequisite for them, um, which is a great thing and much needed. I mean, there is, these re- the resources are not infinite on this planet. Right. We, we have to do better resource management. And we're all, I feel we're already behind the curve. So we, we got to get, um, got to keep this thing moving. And, and we want to do our part to help um, move the whole thing forward to where we can see landfills and mining, you know, just go to, to a dull roar. And really, it's everything's in this recycling loop. And in that spirit, talk with us uh, a little bit about the type of individual that your team attracts. I mean, there has to be a certain culture and a passion that drives everybody from the operations people in the office to the, uh, as you mentioned before, the frontline folks who are uh, collecting the material. How passionate are they and what motivates them every day at, at Revolution Recovery? Yeah, so we have, in the departments I mentioned, the drivers, the operation employees, the office employees, we're really diverse. We have people from all walks of life, and they're kind of distinct depending on on what job they're doing. But yes, a lot of people in our office are recent college grads, a lot have sustainability degrees, and are you know, very much love the fact that we are helping the environment and recycling. 
And that, I think, is one of the main reasons they get out of bed in the morning. You would mention the three P's, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about those three P's because it seems to be one of those drivers that really um, motivates your team. Absolutely. Yes, people, planet, profit. I learned about it from my office manager, Fern Gukin, and yeah, I I say it all the time and and try to hold myself accountable to it, and if I don't, my team does. But yes, it's uh, making sure you're balancing uh, the people working with you, the people you work for, the people you're interacting with, the planet the environment, and then profit. You know, I understand that we have to be profitable to move forward, to, to make the wheels go around. But uh, if, if we're hurting people or the planet, then it's not worth it. We have to balance those three things. And I think it's a great way to, uh, to do business sustainably. And I think it's paid off for us because we get good people um, and they bring the same thing. If we're taking care of them, you know, they're going to take care of the company, and it's gone well for us. Let's dive in a little bit more on a couple of those P's. So, people, share with us the relationship you have with your customers. Who are your typical customers, and how do you interact with them, and how do you find them? So, our customers are builders, manufacturers, industry. We work with many GBCA member companies. Uh, who are building up the city skyline and all the prominent buildings and our universities and healthcare centers. And we we stalk them. We're looking for them. Anywhere they might be out networking, we're handing out the business cards. You know, the front of the house is uh, is dumpsters and the, the collection and trucking. And so, you know, it's tough to differentiate yourself when we're selling dumpsters. So we get um, aggressive with sales and marketing and always pushing that service. And they, they certainly appreciate that we're recycling, but it, it takes more than that. So we do lots of networking events um, and uh, and we go out and, and beat the streets and, and stop in at sites, old, old fashioned, you know, just pop in the trailer, hand out business cards, take every lead we get. In that spirit, I would think that the niche your team provides of recycling helps you stand out from other competitors in your space. Is that fair? Yes, it is fair. Um, it is, uh, but it's an add-on. It's a perk. We have to sell. You know, there it's very construction in this region is very competitive. You know, people are winning and losing bids by by small amounts. So if you can't bring the the competitive pricing and good service, then you're not going to make it. And the recycling is a nice add-on after that. Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned profit, and it's one of your kind of driving forces of your three Ps of people, planet, and profit. And clearly, companies have to be successful financially and operationally in order to continue to grow and have a positive impact, not only on their employees, but on their communities. And, and in your case, um, on the planet is a big part of your, of your operation and your focus. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that business model and how that works for you and um, your interaction with, uh, with the business community in greater Philadelphia, with the um, civic community as well, and just in general, the construction environment and, and how they have been helping you and your team to continue to be successful and innovate and get better every day at what you do. Certainly. Um, so, yeah, we think it's you know very important that everyone that interacts with our company is better off for it, be it our community, our employees, our vendors, our customers. We treat them all with respect and, yeah, really feels that has paid dividends back to us. 
one phrase that I can't stand that I hear is like, oh, he drives a truck or he just pushes a broom or what does he know? He's the janitor. I can't stand that. It drives me nuts. I know the guys who push the broom at our facility are so important to our appearance, to our safety, uh, and I want them to take great pride in their job. And the guys who, who drive for us are, are so important to our company, represent us and and go through a bunch. So that's the mentality that I try to bring every day and I try to relay to my team as best possible. And yet yeah, that we we don't want neighbors upset with us. If if there's a comment or something, we want to respond as best we can and be be that positive impact on people's lives. And thus far that has really has paid dividends. We try to treat everyone well and when we knock on doors and we make phone calls you know, people are there to answer. Uh, we've had great support from our local EPA office, from our DEP office here, uh, from GBCA, from the city. We have so many resourceful people who have helped us and given us introductions, advice, connections. Uh, Revolution Recovery and our growth is very much a product of this region and all those people who have helped us along the way. That's really great. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Newcastle County, Delaware, which is also part of our greater Philadelphia neighborhood. What was the impetus to open and establish operations in Newcastle? Well, the Delaware Solid Waste Authority had a property sitting dormant at the base of a landfill with these big old buildings, and they wanted construction, demolition, recycling, so they put out an RFP that... uh, Jim Short from Denrec brought to our attention, and we bid it, and we won. And we opened there in 2012. We sent five people down and an excavator and a loader, and it's now uh, 40 people strong and with 500 tons a day. I think they have like seven excavators and seven loaders. And, um, yeah, we love doing business in Delaware. Um, And they, yeah, same thing. They've seen, you know, a big construction boom. It's a dream facility. It's just a dream. They've got these big, huge buildings, buildings we couldn't afford to build, but they were sitting there. I think Raytheon built them in the 80s. In fact, one of the superintendents we worked with actually told us he built them, but they're a dream, and it's it's a fantastic operation and really has had a huge impact. That's it. Every day, you know, we can keep 300 tons or something out of the landfill, out of Delaware landfills, and reentering back to recyclers and local markets. And bring all these all these jobs that otherwise would not have been there. And, and if you go, I remember going there, and the buildings were boarded up. I remember our excavator knocking down the boards to open up the building. And if you go there now, it's trucks and loaders, and it's just a bustling with activity. You know what I love about that story, John, is your name, Revolution Recovery, uh, was extended to also recovering the site that you were establishing anew. Uh, and taking those old buildings that were underutilized, maybe a little bit dilapidated, and you were recovering them, and you were breathing new life into them as you were doing it with your recycling work with construction materials. It's, it's, I, I can't be the only one to see that connection. Oh, I like it, Matt. I, uh, no, I, I'm going to run with that one. Uh, I'm going to steal it if I can. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Boarded up, pigeons, no lights on, and yeah, now they're they're bustling sprinkler systems and lighting fans and yeah just 
they're the workplace for our 40 awesome employees who who work in Delaware. That's great. And uh, yeah, absolutely. The name Revolution Recovery has multiple meetings and, and tentacles that go into different uh, types of work that you and your team are doing and you should all be really proud of as well. You. Yeah, you're welcome. And I want to talk a little bit more about the greater Philadelphia region because, you know, we we define this neighborhood as southern New Jersey, southeastern Pennsylvania, and northern Delaware. And I encourage folks to think of us all as one big neighborhood. Um, this is a, a community, and we're all in this together. And the success you're having in northeast Philadelphia in the Holmesburg neighborhood and the success you're having in Newcastle County and, and now out in the Lehigh Valley is is um, really lifting the economic vibrancy of our collective community. And that's really special. One of my questions in that spirit for you, John, is – could you do this somewhere else? Is there something special about Philadelphia and our surrounding community that has been such a perfect fit for the vision that you and your team had back in 2004 and able to grow it over the past uh, 10, 15 years? So, yeah, when we look at new markets, the main metrics we're looking at are the landfill tipping fee and the infrastructure, the recycling infrastructure. So, if you are in the deep south or something where the landfill fee is very low and the you might be more rural and there's not a big infrastructure for recycling materials, then you're dead on arrival. The, the business will never work. So those are the those are the main two metrics. And yes, the greater Philadelphia area brings that. We have the landfill prices high enough and the infrastructure is just fantastic. We have ports, rail, industry manufacturing but if you need to move cardboard metal plastic paper you know there are people here who can help with that but yeah especially i think this region really contributed to our success as, as an incubator and hopefully we can take it out to new markets and that yeah made the biggest one being infrastructure we the trucks can get around we can the world is our oyster we can load a 40,000 pounds on a shipping container at our loading dock in Holmesburg, and that can go anywhere in the world. You know, there's two types of recyclers, those who can load 40,000 pounds and those who can't. And so once you can do that, yeah, you can ship to, you know, we ship uh, cardboard to Pakistan and um, to stuff to South America, to Asia, to Europe. Um, and it's happening right here in Greater Philadelphia. Right here in Greater Philadelphia, we have we have the ports that that we can export. We have fantastic rail service where we can load out uh, cars to go to the plastic outlet in Alabama, and our people can move around. Our trucks can move around. We have the construction industry uh, that can keep feeding us. That you know is constantly producing, and and the manufacturers that are our customers. Um, and we have the access to people. We have this diverse population of people, everything from, you know, drivers and smart office people who can help broker and sell our materials out. And we have people who are maybe new to America who, who, who are interested in a more low-wage job, but basic, uh, where they can get their foot, get their foot on the ground. Um, and Philadelphia and the greater Philadelphia really brings that. We, the, we have it all from, you know, highly educated people and people new to the country. And that has been, uh, that's been key to our growth and success. I love that perspective that you share about talent is what I'm hearing because there is something for everybody. 
the highly educated PhD level person who's an expert in sustainability or geology or other kinds of handling of materials to a lower skilled uh, colleague who is a hard worker and is lifting him or herself up uh, and can continue to grow their career right here in Greater Philadelphia by working with a team like Revolution Recovery. There's something for everybody in Greater Philadelphia. And I think that history goes back to the founding of our country, and that's what makes our story so special here. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that perspective. Absolutely. And there's nothing that I'm more proud of than to see someone come to our company for an entry-level job and grow from working on the sort line or something into machine operator, into a truck driver or something where they're really earning beyond a living wage and doing you know that. I, there's nothing that I could be more proud of. Share with us, if you can, a moment where you had an obstacle in front of you in your career. Uh, maybe it was the founding of the company or it was a, a moment in time where you really came upon a hurdle. And how did you overcome that hurdle? Well, one, one example, maybe not perfect for an obstacle, but we, were, we built this thing up in Philly. Uh, we built this plant from scratch, you know, from nothing. And literally, we got this piece and this piece and this piece. And then one day... I caught us and we were like, we were just sweating the tiniest little minutia. Like we'd built and built and built and then it was, it was at capacity and we were starting to like just worry about this teeny minutia. And that is when this RFP came from Delaware and we opened the Delaware plant. And then that became, just grew like wildfire and became like 60% or, uh, you know, over half of the revenue of the company. And that's when I realized our growth isn't about sweating these little details like we need to we need to take this to other markets and expand uh so that was a that was a light bulb moment in the uh in the company and um yeah i mean relations with our drivers would be another example uh you know we had we had one truck at one point in time and one driver and we hadn't quite figured out how to manage them and we don't i don't think the driver loved the job and maybe it was lonely and we weren't bringing the camaraderie and we didn't quite know how to manage it and now we have this great team of drivers and they have camaraderie and they're happy and we know um, how to manage them and how to take care of them and then they can take care of the customer and so cracking that one and figuring out a little bit is just growing pains like you got to build up to that critical mass but figuring out that piece and watching it evolve that you know that's uh a nice problem solved. I love that. I love the how do you nurture relationships with people to make sure they're feeling valued and contributing back to a common good and and the fact that you recognize that is really key. That's uh, the key. That's yeah, the key. Absolutely. So, um in that spirit, advice you have for um other entrepreneurs, other folks who are interested in starting a business, do you have that moment of, here's what I would do differently? Or if you're going to venture out and to start your own company, what, what would you tell somebody? Well, there's, uh, there's no substitute for hard work. So get ready to uh, get ready to go. You know, competition is what makes the world go round. But yeah, you have to, you have to value your people and you have to try to put yourself in, in their head and try to understand you know where they're coming from and meet them on that level and yes have have a lot of respect for all of them and everything they're doing when i look at other companies and and you learn you know as much from your successes as you do your mistakes but i 
I do see people making that mistake, not properly valuing their people, and uh, and it shows. You know, they're going to be unhappy, and that's the key. Uh, so never, yeah, never forget that. And and as I grow, I have to remember. You know, I I did the labor job. I I separated the material. I did that by hand. You know, and I know that by 10 a.m. you really need a break to get some water. And even though you're tempted, you know, never forget. Never forget, because that's the person who's actually making it all happen. You've been there, and that's what matters as well. You can relate, you can empathize, and you would never do anything that um, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't ask anybody to do anything that you haven't already done yourself. And yeah. that, that, that's so important that you know that between nine thirty and ten thirty, as someone on the line, you need a break, uh, and you wouldn't know that unless you actually did it. Yeah, that's a huge advantage. Um, that I had been able, having the time and being young, starting this young where I was able to do all the jobs and, and really get hands-on because that you're right. If, if you come in with a big level of education or something and or you go entrepreneurial later in your career, yeah, you miss that step and then it, it's much harder to relate. What do you absolutely love about Greater Philadelphia? Oh, I love um, just everything to uh, to see and do. From we go going down to the beach, up to the mountains, uh, ice skating. You know, hockey. You 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 got it all. You can go rafting. We, we've got airports, um, and uh, and like I said before, I'm a I'm a park nut. So I love I love our park, which having traveled around, in my opinion, is one of the best in the world and uh and lately i love our our food scene and just everything that's happening downtown it's big enough to where it's like you know got it all but small enough to where i can still run into friends at a diner or something what's next for revolution recovery well we took off a huge bite on this uh new facility in the lehigh valley and so we're going to get that built up and uh and running well and then we're very much watching our wood, our wood outlets, and want to be leaders in in wood recycling. The Marcellus Shale and low low pricing for natural gas has really changed things. Coal, coal's not so much a thing anymore. Power plants, everyone's switching to natural gas, and that killed kind of uh, alternative energy too. The energy prices are low, so we are attending a lot of conferences, domestic and international. And looking at some really cutting edge things to do with wood waste, of which we have, uh, you know, 200 tons a day between our two facilities. So I hope to we have a big announcement coming on that uh, soon, and, and can lead can lead in that. But otherwise, yeah, we are we have some a young employee base, and we're getting stronger and more experienced every day. And uh, I think once we stabilize this this expansion, uh, I'd like to challenge them and uh, move forward and keeping true to our mission, which is keeping materials out of landfills. So the, that, you know, getting, getting right back to it and staying focused. So, John, one of the really unique things about Revolution Recovery is your connection with a special part of the community that most people would probably be surprised to hear about. Yes, we're very lucky to host a rare Recycled Artists in Residence program, which is a fantastic art residency program run by Fern Gukin and Billy Dufala, who brought the idea to us around 2011. And, and uh, they really, hats off to them, but I'll speak for them as they're not here as best I can. We're just the, you know, just host them. 
Uh, but yes, you have this recycling plant with all these machines and all these people and trucks coming around and everything is there for a purpose and, you know, has to pr- hit its production numbers and it's very logical. And and then you have this artist in residence program who's doing whatever their artistic spirit moves them to do. And that dichotomy is beautiful. The relationship between uh the revolution recovery team and the artists of rare is fantastic. And, uh, and it lightens, you know, it lightens the mood and, and it really is inspirational for me. And I know for, for some of the team, it keeps us, it keeps the vibe good. And it's great. Uh, been great marketing and PR for revolution recovery and where I sit on the business end of things, but yes, they're out there making sculptures, paintings, photography, and they have a rotating artist that comes for a couple days, weeks, months, and takes on these projects. And they just produce the most incredible, if you visit their website or any of their shows, just these incredible pieces of art, all from recycled material. Yeah, and you you know, my employees are always just so surprised to see what, what intrigues them and what they're interested in as they look through this 500 tons a day of material. But as Billy says, it's just a dream, you know, for him to have 500 tons every day where artists, you know, struggle to get materials and he's got, he just has this, you know, huge um, supply room. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what I love about that as well is you think about recovery and recycle. Uh, and oftentimes, as you are articulating, it's, you know, chopping, shredding, repurposing of building materials. But there's another way of doing it, and that's by engaging an artist who can think more creatively and say, we can recycle this, but in a different way than repurposing it through the traditional ways. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason. They, you know, that's why they're artists. They're so creative that they just come up with these fantastic ideas and yes that's the ultimate repurposing i mean yeah you can be a wood chip or a new plastic bucket or something but man to be a piece of art in a museum you know no no item of trash that came in our facility ever dreamt that they'd that they'd see that day and the awareness that that creates for recycling for waste management is is the real is the real win there what's the one thing you want people to remember about our conversation today? I hope I made a good impression for the company. Um, Yeah, how fantastic the team and people we work with at Revolution Recovery, our customers and yeah, our vendors and our neighbors. We strive every day to be a good neighbor, to be a good vendor, supplier, to be a good employer. And uh, we want everyone who interacts with us to to be better off for that experience and it is paid for us it it comes back in spades and uh, i would advise all businesses you know to carry that mantra for you and don't be a predator don't hurt people don't uh don't let your success be the failure of others uh you know try to lift everyone and it does pay and it will help you in the long game it might in the short it might cost you a little more it might be a little more work but it will come back to you. My sense from our conversation is Revolution Recovery is doing all of what you just said and more. You should be really proud. I know I am learning about your story, the seeds that you planted right here in greater Philadelphia that are growing out to the community and potentially could grow to other parts of the country and other parts of the world. I would be very proud, uh, and I am just having the chance to hear about this story. 
John Wybar, uh, co-founder uh, of Revolution Recovery. Thanks for joining us on Growing Greater Philadelphia. Well, thanks very much, man. I appreciate your words and appreciate the time here. And if that was the takeaway, then I'm very happy. Hey, this segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by Independence Blue Cross. They're a proud sponsor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C. You can learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. Check out all of our podcasts and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPH. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia.